Here's what's coming up on your horizon. In some ways, it seems like a lifetime ago, but this time last year, we were heading into lockdown. And not long after that, many supermarket meat counters were bare. But crisis led to innovation, and a concerted effort is underway to not just meet consumer demand for high-quality meat cuts, but create more Oklahoma jobs. Stay with us for CareerTech's Horizon. Tech Horizon is brought to you by the Oklahoma Department of Career and Technology Education. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. Hello everyone, I'm Rob McClendon. And I'm Blaine Singletary. Thanks for joining us. This time last year, large meatpacking plants became one of the leading hotspots for COVID-19 infections. Even with the federal government declaring food processing critical infrastructure, worker illnesses and deaths led to plant shutdowns and slowdowns among the industry giants. And shoppers began to find fewer and fewer fresh cuts of meat. Frustrated with bare supermarket shelves, consumers began approaching smaller local meat processors only to find they in turn couldn't keep up with demand. And not because there weren't enough animals. In fact, there were ample cattle supplies. The bottleneck was in the meat packing process. And here's why. Because of economies of scale, there has been widespread consolidation in the meat industry. Four firms now control more than 80% of the beef processing market. Not everyone is happy about that. There have been lawsuits and countersuits. But it was actually the pandemic that exposed how vulnerable our food supply chain can be and has the potential of transforming meat processing here in Oklahoma. Just weeks into the pandemic, Representative Dell Cribb's phone began to ring. Calls started flooding into our office. You know, I can't get I can't get any kind of beef product at the store. Cases were empty. You know, panic started setting in. What are we going to do? Uh, and that's just the normal consumer. As House Ag Chair, most everything to do with food and rural issues go through the committee that Krebs chairs. Now, here's the challenge. We've got a whole new market of consumers that are used to going to the grocery store and buying it in a, in a meat case. They can't find it there. They want their product. Now we've got to get them introduced to our local processors and our local producers to say, you know, not only can you get the product here, but you can get the product better. But what he found is with the national food supply chain broken, local meat processors couldn't keep up. Very quickly now, all of that runs out. So now we're in the midst of a whole different situation and, and, and panic mode in, in the normal household. You're having to deal with everything, uh, you know, on your everyday from your job to your schooling. 
The last thing you need to be worrying about is food on the table. And that's a challenge for a lot of folks. Now it's a challenge for folks that ha- still have jobs, or essential workers. They have child care facilities to take care of their children, but they cannot. They, they've become food insecure as well. Which, as you can imagine, got everyone's attention at the state capitol. Governor Kevin Stitt appropriated $10 million in federal funds from the CARES Act to the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Food, and Forestry with the goal of expanding local meat processing capacity. Now we're, we are short state inspectors. We were already running a tight crew on state inspectors for the existing processing and operations that we had in a state. Now we've, we've infused $10 million of money into processing facilities. We've got to make sure that we're working on state uh, inspectors to be able to make sure that that product is safe and meets the criteria to go out to the consumer. We still have an obligation to protect the consumer. We have an excellent uh, program that's working through the career techs. When the challenge came up and said, not only do we have you know, this need in processor, processors, we, all, we also need uh, quality workforce and trained workforce to be able to do that. Career techs in the state of Oklahoma stepped up and said, we got this. It's that old saying, the Oklahoma standard, we got this. Which is where our Blaine Singletary picks up the story. It was only a few months into the lockdown that things really began to heat up with meat processing. Um, in the ag world, we talk a lot about partnerships or what make things happen, and I think this is a perfect example of that. That's Blaine Arthur, State Secretary of Agriculture. While she had been working hard to find new and better ways to use Oklahoma's bountiful local commodities when she took that post a couple of years ago, the pandemic crisis brought those plans along much faster. And so, at this event in last June, a partnership was forged. And so I think that's where we saw this fabulous collaboration occurring uh, when we had the chance uh, to reach out to Career Tech, uh, to the superintendents across uh, the state, and certainly lots of conversations with Dr. Mack and her staff. And I think that's where we see this wonderful opportunity that evolved really, really quickly. The idea to solve the problems of a lack of space on meat processors' schedules was to train more meat processors. A skilled workforce means more product and less empty shelves. Dr. Marcy Mack is the state director of CareerTech. As of right now, we do have live on our website at okcareertech.org an opportunity for individuals to enroll in three meat certification programs that will allow them to do it online, It provides them the certification that is aligned with American Meat Science Association um, and aligns with what the industry had asked for specifically. And with that, students were off to the races on getting certified. But this was just phase one. Online classes were an essential first step, but meat processing is a very hands-on job. So they got to work. CareerTech teamed up with the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture to outfit about a dozen high schools and a few tech centers with meat processing equipment. But they were also getting ready for the long haul. With a massive refrigerated semi-trailer, commonly known as a reefer, that was turned into a mobile meat processing lab. That means meat processing can go wherever the students are, 
no matter how remote they might be. But turning that ordinary trailer, the same kind you see being pulled by 18-wheelers on the road all the time, into a classroom on wheels is easier said than done. See, an ordinary refrigerated trailer is meant to keep stuff inside it freshly sealed away. And that's not exactly conducive for students and teachers. So they teamed up with a company in Oklahoma City to mod it from wall to wall, sticking in things like a side door with stairs to reach it, and even a motorized lift to make it ADA compliant. They also had to tackle several nuances you may not think about, like portable electricity and plumbing, so that this experience stays the same no matter where the truck is parked. Of course, to carry all this stuff, a smaller trailer was made, being towed along by a pickup truck. Put it all together and you've got a mighty convoy of meat processing education riding through the night. And with some neat branding of its own, it's a beautiful sight. But when you actually step inside of it, you'll find stainless steel tables set up with grinders, slicers, stuffers, pretty much anything these students will encounter in the real world, albeit scaled down slightly. It's already got a few voyages under its belt, being driven all over the state by fine human beings, but another thing driving this is industry. Some other fine humans at CareerTech have been on the phone around the clock with meat processing plants all over the state to make sure this program isn't just where the students are, but trains them in just the way they need to be trained, to keep the industry growing and free from another meat shortage. So as I'm sure you noticed, Rob, things have been pretty busy around here for about the past year on this front, from developing the programs to the truck and getting Oklahoma's meat industry on track. It's been a long road. Yeah, and there has been a lot to keep up with. And speaking of busy, you got a front row seat to the wrapping of the semi-truck and trailer. That's right. We got a neat behind-the-scenes video of the whole thing coming together in a time-lapse. You can find that on our website, cthorizon.org, and check out the show notes for this Season 2, Episode 2, Here's the Beef. And there's more where that came from. When we come back, we hit the road to see how those high schools and tech centers are adding meat to their curriculum. Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by Career Tech. Keep striving. Right now you're showing up for our state, for our community, doing what you can with your skills and strength for all of us in the halls of hospitals, in neighborhoods, on the road, across the state. You train for tomorrow and for today. And all of us at Oklahoma Career Tech, thank you for putting your skills into action. For Oklahoma and beyond, stay safe and keep striving. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. Welcome back. So far, we've talked about the genesis of this new meat processing education program and why it was necessary to get started right away. So in addition to the fancy new mobile meat processing lab set to tour the state, getting portable hands-on meat processing education to students who are willing to learn is important. But having a more permanent presence in schools is also essential to get more students trained. So Blaine and I hit the road to visit a few schools adding meat to their curriculum. First stop is Gordon Cooper Technology Center in Shawnee. 
All the grinders, slicers, and other equipment you can find in the trailer was here as well, albeit a bit bigger. In fact, the room looked like a meat processing plant just waiting to get started, even though it was just part of the cafeteria. It's a good visual for what Gordon Cooper and the other participating schools are doing here. So the, uh, the equipment that we've been able to purchase is going to be a valuable tool for our comprehensive programs, our K-12 programs, the, the ag programs in the counties that we serve. Jeremy Fry is Gordon Cooper's Agriculture Business Coordinator. That'll be a good way to stimulate interest in, in meat processing and allow those students to perhaps get certified and, and be able to obtain employment in, as a meat cutter, as a butcher. Um, also stimulate interest in perhaps uh, going on to a higher education uh, opportunities. He sees this as the perfect complement to their existing agriculture programs and one way they can help their students see a bit more of the bigger picture. They're, they're learning about uh, livestock and, and nutrition and those sort of things, but being able to connect why we do the things that we do in the livestock industry, being able to see the end product, see the individual retail cuts, and, and, and why we do the things that we're doing uh, as we're feeding livestock, and, and be able to make that, uh, that hands-on application more relevant. And that can be all the more important in a more rural town that bases itself more firmly as an agriculture community. Driving up the road about 150 miles northwest, leaving the hustle and bustle of the OKC Metroplex behind, is Drummond. As I pulled up to Drummond Public School, I could see the concrete slab being laid for a new building. We've got a building going up right now. They're, they're constructing it right now. It's going to be a new show barn, show facility for us, but we're going to actually build a room in that barn that'll be set aside just for this program. That's Keith Dillingham agriculture education instructor and FFA advisor for Drummond Public School. And while that building is going up, he's turned part of their shop garage into a makeshift beef processing plant. All the equipment was set up that day, and his students, all decked out in their FFA blue coats, were receiving their processing certification certificates after having completed the online part of the program. Now they're ready for the hands-on segment of this so they'll be able to come out here and actually start processing meat, turning wholesale cuts into retail cuts, making jerky, making sausages, vacuum sealing steaks, doing all those different things, get them ready for their careers. Keith says this is really just one more career opportunity for his students, something they may not have considered before. And for a small community like Drummond, with a population of 455, Something like this really means the world to them. The, the people that I've talked to about it are, are super excited. They're super excited that, uh, that our students are getting this opportunity to do something different that's, that's way outside the box of, of normal. And they're excited that these kids are getting the, this opportunity. I've talked to a couple of, of people. One of them used to have a grocery store here in town that used to be a uh, meat processor himself. Uh, he's talked to me extensively about it. He's very excited and glad to see kids pursuing that that area, that career area. Another student I've got, his, his father is still actively working in meat processing, so you know he's, he's even uh, offered to come help us with all of our new equipment, show us how to operate it. Um, and then just other people are just excited that these kids are getting this opportunity. It's no wonder, then, that the community came together to pass the construction of this building on a bond issue a couple of years ago. Keith took me outside and could picture where it would all go 
when it was finished. It's a great deal that we are already having a building constructed and we're going to set aside part of it, um, sacrifice a little bit of it for this program. So it'll give us a great spot to, to do this in a clean and sanitary environment, build, an, uh, build our own room just for that. Uh, we put in some drains, electricity, and all that, so it'll all be, it'll all be great. Oh, it's, it's big time for the town of Drummond. Drummond Public School Principal Jared Johnson. He has his eyes set on what this means for the future of this community. I think we're going to be able to take our, our small little community, and um, we're almost like a suburb of Enid in a sense. So we're going to take our community, and we, our, skills can, our kids can learn skills in a small school, but go on and get a job. Like, uh, or they can take this stuff and go on for college credits and use those college credits to also be able to move forward and be successful in life. And I think it's going to be very positive for our community. And who knows, one day we may have a meatpacking facility in our community that's going to allow more jobs and more people to move in and continue our school and our community to grow. And to help students who grow up and go to school here have a reason to stay here and keep Drummond thriving. With this being the first day many of these students have seen the meat processing equipment up close, Keith says they're asking, when do we start? You know, at first they're kind of, they didn't know what I was talking about. They're a little apprehensive. Now they see all this equipment. They've been through the curriculum. They're excited. They're ready to hit the ground running. They're ready to process meat. They're ready. Which sends us back south, past OKC and Chickasha, to the town of Marlowe. And when we showed up, the students weren't just ready. They were already underway processing cuts of meat. And some of that meat came courtesy of one student's family. So we're in the, sh we're in the show business, and we have a bunch of friends that are in the show business. And um, just when, Pete, when our friends or us are done with the hog, we feed it out. And then when somebody, a family member, just whoever, they can be a random stranger, need a pig or something, we butcher it. Most of the time they come help us, we give it to them or just whatever the situation is. We don't do any money, like we always give it away. Sophomore Corbin Baker's family will give butchered meat to food banks or really anyone who needs it, including this new meat processing program. John Derrick Mitchell is the ag instructor at Marlowe and is pretty clear on the opportunities this could bring for his students. A friend of mine that's in the industry that owns a house, he's in need of like two to three butchers all the time. People that can harvest, people that can package, and he said that as many students as I get hired, he'd interview and he could employ as many as four of them. Even though John has more than four students, he's confident they could all find work easily. Meat is something that's going to be pretty steady. Unlike oil field that kind of goes up and down with the economy, I mean, most of the time people are going to continue eating. Until they become professionals, though, John is keeping his students working for those in need right here in Marlowe. Corbin and his older sister Madison have shown pigs forever, and uh, Kenny and I are, are really close. And uh, he asked me one time, he said, Hey, you think we could cut some of these up? And I said, Yeah. And, we helped a family out and cut one of them up and packaged them, and another person donated a freezer. That way we thought that, that family could make it through the spring and summer with something to eat. And We kind of caught the bug and started liking it. And so um, some friends of ours that raise pigs that have sows that are, are done or have some feeder pigs or ones that may, don't quite make the show string, um, we started processing them in his barn and found out we were pretty good at it. And, you know, and then Corbin would start inviting some of his friends and... Now it's gotten to where he has a freezer in his house that people kind of come and go as they needed and 
Kenny and Monica tell them about it, where it's at, and they come and get what they need and donate when they can. And we've been able to help a lot of people do it over, we feel like. Like any industry, it's all about connections. Here we have a connection with the community, with the professional world, and with life. Indeed, this whole program started with a connection between the State Department of Career Tech and the State Department of Agriculture. Ag Secretary Blaine Arthur says, after all this, it's great to see things coming together. Well, we're just so impressed with the FFA students and certainly the ag teachers. The kids are certified in the curriculum. They're doing here in Marlowe, they're doing the hands-on piece, which is so impressive. And I think, too, no matter if they decide to stay in this sector, it'll be something that's beneficial to them their entire life. From purchasing product at the grocery store to cooking for their family, they can use all this information uh, in a variety of ways. The opportunity that I've had to be in some of the programs and continue to go and see the programs who took on the challenge of adding meat processing to their curriculum, it's amazing. Again, Career Tech State Director Marcy Mack. You watch the young people go through and explain the experience that they're having. They're already connecting with industry, and they're looking towards how this opportunity is going to help them with their career goals. And Blaine, so far we've examined this issue from two perspectives, the consumer and the meat processor. But there's another component that's vital to the local direct-to-consumer meat production model. And that's where we pick up our story when we return. Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by Career Tech. Keep striving. Ever since I was little, I just loved hair and makeup and everything about it. I was experimenting, even when I was five years old, getting into my mom's makeup and doing things. And I just knew that this was what I was meant to do because I was so good at it and it was really my calling. Everything is hands-on. We have activities. We do things on each other. We do facials. We do haircuts and styling. And that's what's great about this class. I can really learn from just being hands-on and it's really helped excel myself in this career rather than if I feel like I went somewhere else. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. Pandemic-related meat shortages definitely piqued the demand for locally produced beef. The surge led many Oklahoma ranches to jump into direct marketing for the first time. It's not a new trend. Farm-to-table concepts are common these days. There's even a name for those committed to eating locally. They're called locavores, believing eating food produced nearby is better for your health and better for the environment. And while I can't personally vouch for either of those claims, I can tell you that a steak that earned the new Oklahoma Certified Beef label was one of the best I've ever tasted, which takes us to the highest point on the Oklahoma City skyline. Sitting atop the Devon Tower, you can see forever in a restaurant appropriately named Vast. This landmark eatery is one of Open Table's 100 most scenic restaurants in America. And along with the views is an equally impressive menu sourced from local producers. A fitting location to debut Oklahoma certified beef. Can't wait to uh, eat this wonderful uh, steak here in just a second. 
Governor Kevin Sitt was served the first Oklahoma certified steak, a distinction the head of Oklahoma Certified Beef Association says is more than just a label. We have the best beef in the world right here in Oklahoma. Scott Blueball is the president of the Oklahoma Certified Beef Association and says to earn the certification, cattle need to be verified as bred, born, raised, and processed within the state's borders. It's a win-win really for everybody. It's a win for consumer. They're getting, in my opinion, a better product. We're keeping those retail food dollars right here in state, and we're creating jobs in our rural communities uh, around Oklahoma uh, that are desperately needed. So I just think it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity uh, for ranchers and for uh, consumers alike. That's because shoppers purchasing Oklahoma certified beef can now enjoy the same quality that high-end restaurants like Vast are known for. Which takes us to the no-name ranch near Winniewood, Oklahoma. The Bigner family started selling their beef directly to private customers close to three decades ago. And for nearly 20 years, they've supplied beef to Chef Kurt Flyfresser, who serves as the chief of culinary operations for Vast. It's certainly an industry that is growing vastly right now. Dawn Burden is the Beekner's daughter and says her family has seen a surge in what was an already growing demand for locally grown beef. Our business has been based around promoting that we know where our cattle are, we know where our cattle come from, and we know where our cattle are going. And that is what Oklahoma Certified Beef Association is promoting also. We know where our cattle are, we know how they're taken care of, where they're at, what goes into them, and it's just going to verify that even more with a stamp to put on it, you know, and, and uh, verification paper-wise to be able to say that. Something that up till now wasn't always possible. Representative Ty Byrne sits on the House Ag Committee and authored the legislation that led to the Oklahoma Certified Beef Association. I was, I was trying to figure out how to protect Oklahoma producers, more importantly the cow calvers. And so I was coming home one day and, and it just, it just constantly in my brain, how do I protect Oklahoma producers? And I came up with the idea just to define what Oklahoma Certified Beef is. You know, it's bred, born, raised, and slaughtered in Oklahoma. And that would give some protection for both the producer and the consumer. Burns legislation made it through both chambers and was signed into law by Governor Stitt. And this lets consumers know where their meat's coming from. Uh, the biggest thing obviously we hear is imports. Uh, we don't know where the meat is coming from that's in the uh, grocery store. This bypasses that and a local producer, we know exactly what Oklahoma beef is and what it is in the store and what you're eating. Once again, Scott Blueball. We, most of these small plants are booked up over a year in advance right now. Um, and so there's tremendous demand, but the demand really way outweighs the ability to get them processed today. But it's getting better, it's growing. We're gonna need more beef inspectors at the state level and at the USDA level. But for that to happen, it's gonna take a workforce, which brings us full circle in today's episode. Do we have the workforce? Great question. Uh, so Career Tech here in Oklahoma is gearing up. 
and I've put some new teaching programs in place uh, to teach um, meat cutting. It's kind of a lost art, a lost skill. Uh, there's not near as many people know how to do that as they used to be. Uh, but, you know, career tech, as always, we have the greatest career tech system uh, in the nation and they're stepping up to meet the demand. And Blaine, most everyone recognizes without a growth in local meatpacking facilities, the certified beef program won't ever be able to reach its full potential. And that will take a skilled workforce that, not coincidentally, will only grow as more Oklahoma ranchers begin to direct market their products to the consumer. Thank you all so very much for listening today. If you like this episode, be sure to give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to us today. If you're on Spotify, be sure to share this episode with a friend. And don't forget to find us on Facebook and Twitter or visit our website, cthorizon.org, for more juicy flame broiled content. That's right, Rob. These three things really go a long way in helping our certified Oklahoma podcast continue to grow and thrive right here locally. So do those things, and we'll see you all in our next episode. Speaking of... Second only to oil and gas, the aerospace industry plays a vital role in Oklahoma's economy. And while it is the pun of all puns to say this, business is really taking off. Next time on Career Tech Horizon, we explore the work underway to develop a diversified aerospace workforce in the Sooner State. Career Tech Horizon is a production of the Oklahoma Department of Career and Technology Education and is produced by us. I'm Rob McClendon. And I'm Blaine Singletary, with additional help from Connie Romans. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you soon on your horizon. <laughs>